The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. We are going to read God's Word, and our passage today is a, a parable from Jesus, um, the unmerciful servant. And it's found in Matthew 18, so if you'd like to follow along in your own Bibles, or you can see it on the big screen up there. Um, but it's starting at verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, How often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him still. As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of the fellow servants who had owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, began choking choking him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what, he had te- what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is God's word for us. Uh, Heather is going to come bless our kids and talk about what they've got. Good morning again. My name is Heather Blyer. I am the missionary students here at Axe Church Leander. And I just want to tell you a little bit about Kidmin. Um, we have three opportunities going on um, each Sunday morning. First, we have nursery, which is three years old and under, and that is open the entire time that we gather. We do have a TV in there with uh, that streams the service that's going on as well as some sound, so you're not missing anything if you choose to be back there with your kiddos. Um, and then during our message, we also have Adventure Quest, which is four years old through second grade, and Kids in Christ, which is third grade through fifth grade. And they'll be meeting together during the message, and then they'll come back in here once the message is done. So it's a great way for our kids to get into God's Word. We do read the Bible. They get to do a skit and a game uh, and just to help to bring, that, bring God's Word alive and help them to understand what God has for them. But before we send them out to Kidman, we have this incredible opportunity to say a blessing over them. So I invite everyone to please stand as we bless our children. Gracious Heavenly Father, our children are such an incredible blessing that you have given to us, that you have entrusted into our care. And we pray, Father, that as they get into God's word in Kidman, that it would indeed come alive that they would understand clearly the message that you have for them, but above all, that they would understand the deep love that you have for them. And we pray, Lord, that as they take this message to heart, that they would take it to their friends and to their family, uh, to their teachers and classmates, so that your light can shine in all places. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. So at this time, I do invite our kiddos to head out these back doors. Don't worry, parents. We will bring them back at the end of the message.
All right. Well, good morning. Yeah, time to get into it. Um, we are continuing our series on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, today is all about forgiveness, right? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that have sinned against us. Um, and everybody loves the concept of forgiveness until they have someone to forgive, right? And we're going to look at that. And we're going to look at that through the lens of a parable. I read that to you earlier. And uh, here's what I love about parables, is that parables seem like they're these cute, like, cuddly stories, right? And they're always like, oh, Good Samaritan, or, you know, uh, the lost son, or all those kinds of things. But actually, this is how I would compare it. A parable is kind of like uh, the candy that your mom warned you about at Halloween, right? That don't eat the stuff that hasn't been wrapped because there could be razor blades in it. You know the stuff I'm talking about? Yeah, that's what like a parable is like. It looks nice on the outside, but as soon as you, you digest it, it starts to cut you to the core and really um, get into the depths of your soul. And that's really what this is meant to do. And we're going to unpack that a little bit today and look at that. Um, but today's about forgiveness, right? And uh, I want to talk to you and, and introduce it by telling you three quick stories um, about retaliation. Because oftentimes when someone wrongs us, we feel like we have to do something to them back, right? And so here's the first one. The first one happened in Tennessee. Um, a man killed two people, and the reason was that they unfriended his daughter on Facebook. All right? Tennessee, a little crazy there, but that's what happened. Number two story is in Iowa. Happened in Iowa. Um, a woman was defriended by her, her neighbor on Facebook, so she burned down her garage. All right? So people in Iowa and Tennessee, a little bit nuts, all right? I don't know. But if you think it's just other people, here's one in Texas, all right? This happened in Texas a few years ago. A husband assaulted his wife for failing to like his status one day. Yes, people are nuts, right? So what do these three stories have to do other than crazy people on Facebook? Um, they all have to do with retaliation and our, our innate desire to get back at people when we feel wronged, Right? And that's, that's something that, that uh, doesn't have to be learned. It's just our natural desire. Right? You see it with kids. Someone steals a toy, they're going to steal the toy back. Someone hits another kid, the other kid's going to have to push them and hit them back, right? That's kind of our human nature, and it goes throughout life. And usually um, there's three ways we react to something when we get hurt, right? And so see if you can identify with one or more of these, right? The first one is that uh, we become passive, right? Someone wrongs us, we become passive. We just ignore them. We give them a silent treatment. We choose not to do anything, but we're, we're fuming inside, right? That's, that's one way. Uh, the second way is that we're passive-aggressive, right? We may uh, say, oh yeah, it's, it's okay, and smile at their face, but then when we get behind closed doors with other people, we talk about them behind their back, and we just, oh, I hate that person, but then we act all nice in front of them, right? And that's the passive-aggressive approach. Um, and the third one is kind of the aggressive approach. Maybe this is you, like when you're driving and someone cuts you off, uh, you give them the nice international wave there. Um, and, or maybe you honk your horn, or, or maybe um, you, you shout at someone or, or resort to violence when, when you feel wronged. And so um, that's the aggressive approach. Now, no one, like I said, has trained us to do this. This is in our own desires, right? Um, but here's the thing that Jesus is going to teach us today, is that he demands another way, all right? Another way to respond when we feel wronged, and that's forgiveness. And we'll look at three themes, because every good message has to have three themes in memory of Pastor Greg. Um, so the necessity of forgiveness, right? The necessity of forgiveness, uh, the cost of forgiveness, and then lastly, the power 
to forgive, right? So those are our three things we'll talk about. So the first one, the necessity of forgiveness, right? Our story starts off with good old Peter, right? You know, Peter in many things, and Peter kind of wants to be the favorite disciple. And he's trying to impress Jesus where he says to him, you know, he says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I still forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus says, no, no, no. Not seven times, but 77 times. So what you got to know here is that in that context, most rabbis would say that you need to forgive people up to three times, right? You, three times after that, you kind of cut them off and, and do that. But, but for most rabbinic tradition, it was three times. So Peter, being a good Jewish boy, is trying to impress Jesus because he's doubling it and then adding one for good measure, right? And so he fully expects Jesus to say, Peter, well done, you are my favorite disciple. Seven times, oh yes, how holy and pious you are. Congratulations, right? But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus almost says, no, not seven times, but 77. And in some translations, it says 70 times seven, which if you do the math is a lot, like 490. Um, so basically what Jesus is saying here, seven is kind of a perfect number. So uh, it's not a literal 77. He's saying forgiveness forever, right? It's infinity is what he's really saying. Um, and that's, that's, uh, that's what Peter, Peter's trying to find out the line. How many times can I forgive until I do it no more, right? And Jesus is saying, no, 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 it's not about that. Keep forgiving, keep forgiving. And why does Jesus say this? Because Jesus gets humans, right? He gets relationships. And in order to have healthy relationships here on this earth, we have to forgive, right? We have to be able to forgive. Uh, here's some examples, right? You um, may have some friends that sometimes hurt you, right? All friends will sometimes abandon you or leave you out or, um, or talk about you or whatever, and they're going to hurt you. And in order to continue those relationships, we need to forgive, right? Uh, sometimes your community may hurt you. Sometimes maybe here at church, someone may forget your name or you may feel like it's kind of cliquish or, or whatever, and you may feel hurt, but we've got to forgive if we're going to have true community, right? Um, there's, a, there's a guy, he's not here today, but uh, uh, I, for like a month and a half, I was calling him the wrong name. And he never corrected me, and I felt really bad about that. And I haven't seen him since, since I found out his real name. Uh, but, but at least they were both biblical names, and so I felt like I was somewhat close. But uh, yeah, and so I need to ask for forgiveness. But, but that's going to happen, right? We're going to forget names, or we're going to... Um, uh, leave people out, and, and so to have true community, we've got to be able to forgive. Um, another example, your spouse, right? Your spouse, in order to be married, you've got to forgive, right? Uh, no one's going to hurt you more deeply or more often than the person you see every day, right? Um, and, and in order to, to have a healthy relationship, we've got to have forgiveness, right? Now, let me give you a side note on this. What Jesus is not saying is that if you're in an abusive relationship, you know, physically or emotionally or, or physically, um, those kinds of things, he's not saying stay in, just keep enduring that and forgive. No, he's saying you can forgive, but sometimes you need to move on. Jesus would never endorse staying in relationships that way. Um, he says, yes, forgive, but get out of the situation. What he's also saying or not saying is forgive and forget, right? So here's an example of that. So say... Um, Say I had somebody babysit my kids, and they, they babysat my kids, and they let them play out in the middle of the street, and they fed them just a bunch of junk food, and um, they let them stay up all night, and just all kinds of crazy things. They let them watch R-rated movies, those kinds of things. And, you know, can I forgive that person? Absolutely. Will I forget that? No. 
Am I going to use that person again? Probably not, right? So that's part of, I can forgive them, but I'm, I can choose to, to um, ask other people then. And, and sometimes consequences is, are part of, uh, of that, that there's still consequences even when we forgive. So, um, so that's, that's that. Relationships are all about forgiveness. If you want to be happy in life, what Jesus is saying, if you want to be truly fulfilled and have solid relationships, you've got to forgive, right? An infinite amount of times. And inside, yeah, this may say, sound really easy. Like, oh, okay, cool, Jesus, I'll keep forgiving. But we know deep down inside that's really, really hard, right? It's really hard. And we try to get away from it. Why? And here's point number two, because forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness is very, very costly, right? Uh, take, for example, our story, right? Here's our, our story that Jesus tells, the parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with a servant, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. All right, 10,000 talents. What you have to know about 10,000 talents is that one talent was equal to 20 years worth of salary, of wage, right? Uh, here's an example, yeah. So 10,000 talents is equal to 200,000 years worth of paychecks. That's a lot of money, right? I don't know you about you, but uh, I'm not expecting to live 200,000 years to, to be able to pay something like that off. So it's about 10 billion. What Jesus is pretty much saying, it's not about the numbers. He's really uh, doing hyperbole where he's saying it's an infinite amount. It's bazillion dollars, right? You can never pay this back as this guy. And so what does the guy do? He falls down and he begs for, for mercy, right? Now, forgiveness is costly. So who absorbs this debt? The king, right? The master absorbs his debt. He's not going to see that money anywhere, right? Um, so sometimes forgiveness is costly in the terms of, of uh, physical resources. Here's an example. Um, a couple years ago, uh, my family was out with my in-laws, and we were out in the desert camping, all right? We are out doing dune buggies and all kinds of cool things out in the California desert, and uh, I was riding with my daughter Elizabeth, right? She was driving. I was on the passenger side doing the pedals because she couldn't reach them. So, uh, so she's driving, and she's, you know, probably six or seven crazy drivers at six and seven. That's probably why they don't have licenses. But uh, as she's going, we're going up this hill, and there's a tree right in front, and she's not turning. And I'm like, Elizabeth, turn! And at the last minute, she turns, and I, like, am trying to push on the brake, but instead I push on the gas, and we go flying. We're, like, lofted into the air, and we're flying. We're going, and all of a sudden, we hit straight down, nose down, into the side of another dune. And uh, needless to say, it, it didn't work very well after that. Um, we broke the axle, and it was my brother's brother-in-law. And he goes, you know what? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm like, are you sure? No, I feel really bad. I've, I wrecked this. You know, it was my fault. I'm, I'm sorry. He goes, no, it, it's cool. Don't worry about it. That is forgiveness that was costly because he had to absorb that debt. He had to pay for that. Um, and so sometimes it is that way. Same with relationships, right? Sometimes it's, it's costly as relationships. When your neighbors have a party and you, they don't invite you, right, uh, you have a debt of abandonment and you have to forgive that and say, I'm going to move on, right? Um, when your spouse doesn't appreciate you or, or you do something nice and they don't say anything about it, you feel that debt of resentment, right? And you have to forgive that and let go of that. And that's hard sometimes. Or when your kids take things for granted and, and uh, feel entitled or, or you know, um, don't thank you for things, sometimes you feel that debt of being taken advantage of and, and you, you have to forgive that and let that go and continue um, loving your kids in that way. It costs you 
the feeling of revenge by letting go of that, right? Here's an example. Um, I was teaching a class um, a couple of years ago, uh, back. It was my first year teaching at the college, and as I was teaching there, um, I gave a midterm exam. And on this midterm exam, I gave extra credit points for, for uh, two questions at the end. One, what do you like best about this class? Because I wanted some feedback. What do they really like? And then, what do you like least about this class? All right? And I, was, I, was, I wanted to get feedback. I wanted to, to be transparent a little bit and hear what they thought. And that's kind of dangerous sometimes when you ask for feedback. And uh, most of them were pretty okay. But I got this one guy who gave it back, and he said, least about this class, you. I think you're a horrible professor. You may be good one day, but you're too young. You don't really know much. I think there should be some, like, ordained pastor guy teaching this class. Uh, yeah, I don't like this class at all. I'm like, great, awesome. So I'm thinking, what do I need to do? All right, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to write him an email back, right? And so I, I set out, stretched out my fingers. I'm like, all right, here we go. Dear so-and-so, uh, I appreciate your feedback on the midterm. Uh, I think you're an idiot. Uh, what do you know? You're just a little college student. Man, if only, you know, you were humble enough to realize how much I'm actually teaching you. All these things that I really want to say and I'm typing them up. And before I send send, I press delete. I really wanted that. I really wanted the, the taste of that, that, uh, that revenge of like, this is going to feel so sweet. But I knew it really wouldn't do any good, right? It wouldn't do any good for me or for him. And so I pressed delete, and it wasn't by my own power. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? I really had to check my heart and see where that was coming from. And it was coming from my own pride of he hurt my pride, and so I felt like I had to get back at him and hurt his pride. But our last point gives us this, is where do we get the power to forgive? And the power to forgive comes from uh, this answer here of this, as our story continues. So Jesus, in that first part, has mercy on that one who owes him a bazillion dollars. But that guy who has just forgiven his debt of a bazillion dollars now goes off and finds someone else that served him, and this is what happens. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe. Now what you have to know is a hundred denarii is not very much. Uh, one denarii was about uh, one day's worth of wage. So 100 would be, what, about three and a half, four months worth of work. So definitely doable of paying that back, right? But he said no. The guy who had just been forgiven goes off and says, no, you need to pay it back to me, right? And doesn't get that concept of forgiveness. It's probably about, yeah, $15,000 uh, in today's uh, wage, if you make about 50000 So uh, not a whole lot doable, but he says no, and he starts to choke him and says, give me my money. We see someone who doesn't get grace, right? And I, this last verse is probably a little confusing. Here was the last verse that we read. It said this, um, in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It's a pretty harsh statement, right? What Jesus is pretty much saying is, if you do not forgive like you have been forgiven, you get eternal hell, right? It's a harsh statement. What, what could Jesus possibly mean by that? Shouldn't this parable end nice and cute and cuddly, right? Shouldn't it end with gospel and grace? Well, here, let me unpack that a little bit and, and explain it. So, um, 
imagine that Leon came up here and he slapped me, right? Yeah. It would be kind of awkward. You kind of laugh and go like, well, that was weird, all right? Could I do anything to him? I mean, I could probably retaliate, but I'm not going to like press charges or anything. It'd just be a weird, awkward situation, right? No real consequence for him in that situation. Now, imagine I'm driving home, and as I'm driving home, I'm speeding, and a cop pulls me over, and as he rolls down the window, I slap him. All right, yeah. A little bit more consequence there, right? I'd probably get a big ticket or maybe get thrown in jail for a day or two, right? Um, but yeah, more consequence because there's more authority there. Third, say I go to a presidential rally and I'm going to this presidential rally and I am just really mad at President Trump and I go rush on stage and I go to slap him. Now, bearing that I don't get taken down by Secret Service and shot or killed for rushing the stage, um, my consequence there would be a lot uh, more serious, right? I'd probably get thrown in jail for a lot longer time for, for treason or trying to hurt the president or maybe even killed, right? But let me give you one more level right there. What about God? God who has the ultimate authority, God who has uh, infinite power and wisdom, what if I slapped God? What would be my punishment? Infinite, right? Infinite punishment, right? And that's what I deserve. I slap, slap someone with infinite authority, I get infinite punishment. So it's way more serious. And that's what Jesus is saying here, is that uh, we have an infinite amount of debt that we can never repay right? An infinite amount of debt because there's infinite consequences, because he's an infinite God, we can never, never pay that back. No amount of church attendance or Bible reading or giving of my money or, or just promising to be a better person, none of that can ever put me right with God. And so what do I have? What are my choices? My choice is to get down at the mercy of God, the King, and say, God, please forgive me. Show me mercy. Please Forgive me, like the, the man in the story, right? And here's the crazy reality. The crazy reality is just like the king forgave that guy a bazillion dollars, Jesus forgives us for our many, many, many sins, right? That we could never repay, that we could never um, atone for, he takes those on. And because forgiveness is costly, somebody's got to absorb that cost, Right? Jesus absorbs that cross on the cross. He absorbs the cost on the cross by giving of his life, stretching out his hands, and dying for you and for me. And because of that, um, that costly grace uh, filters down to where then we can then hopefully be freed to forgive others in that same way, right? And that is how we obtain the power of to forgive, is to really understand what Jesus has truly done for us. But Jesus gives us a test here in this parable. He says, if you hear this, if you hear this gospel, you soak it in, but you still can't forgive someone else, then you don't truly get the enormity of your own sin, and you don't truly get the enormity of God's amazing grace, right? And I think that's what the season is all about. We're in the season of Lent, where at Ash Wednesday we started, and in two weeks we we go to the cross at Good Friday, and then to Easter where we celebrate where Jesus rose again and conquered sin, death, and the devil. But, but in truly to, to, to truly understand that, these six weeks here in between, we really are, are to focus on the enormity of our sin, to dust to, we are and to dust we will return, right? And that we are, we are um, mortal people. And that's what we can truly get in this season is that we 
can only get to the mercy of the king and ask God, please forgive me for all I've done. Forgiven people get forgiveness. I want to end with this story. It's a story um, from a Holocaust survivor named uh, Corey Tenboom. And uh, she lived back in the day, and um, she has written many books, and this is an excerpt out of one of those, and it says this. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavyset man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filling, filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth that they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land, and I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, I like to think that, there's, that where there's forgiveness, um, that we forgive our sins and they're thrown into the ocean. When we confess our sins, God casts them into the deepest ocean, and they're gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe that truth. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence, and in silence collected their jackets, and in silence left the room. And that's when I saw him, working his way forward against the others. One moment, I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, I saw the blue uniform, a visored cap with its skull and crossbones on it. It came back with a rush, the huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment-like skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, and he thrust out his hand. A fine message! How good it is to know that, as you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the ocean. And I, who had just spoken so glibly and freely of forgiveness, fumbled in my purse rather than take that hand he would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him. And the leather crop swinging from his belt, I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have now become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I had did there, but I would like to hear it from your own lips. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? I stood there. I, whose sins had again and again had been forgiven by God, and yet I could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for asking for it? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, his hand held out. But to me, it seemed like I wrestled... Um, with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do for hours. But I knew I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, though, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it only, not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Because since the end of the war, I had had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those that were able to forgive their former enemies 
were also able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars were. But I had seen that those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And I, as I stood still, with the coldness clutching my heart, I realized forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. God, help me. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand onto the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our jointed hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried. I forgive you with all of my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. For a long moment, oh no, um, so this is Corey Ten Boom's story of how hard it is to sometimes forgive. I realize that, how hard it is. But she has a quote later on. It says this, Forgiveness is setting the prisoner free, only to find out that that prisoner was me. Forgiveness is freeing. When we, when we allow God to, to work in through and through us and allow to forgive the people as he has forgiven us, we experience true freedom. So my prayer for you is that may you experience the love and the incredible forgiveness of God as you seek to forgive those around you. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have forgiven us so graciously that even though we, we owe you an infinite amount for our sins that we could never repay, you forgive us. You absorb that, cro- that cost on the cross. But Lord, also, as this story t- says, that help us to experience that not only in our own lives, but Help us to give that to others in their lives. And so, Lord, if there's someone in our life that we need to forgive, if there's someone that we have um, an angerness about, Lord, would you work in our hearts and help them, help to forgive them, Lord. Help us. Be with us. Give us the strength to do so. And, Lord, again, thank you for your grace and your undeserved mercy that you show us each and every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.